Well, there's a deep sense of the presence of God here this morning, and um, we felt it in the first service, and we feel it right now, and I believe that God is doing some marvelous work. We're in the third week of our uh, studies that tie in with our Alpha course, and uh, we've called this series Question Mark, and the question that I've been asked to handle this morning is the question, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something that may sound strange, but, but um, uh, if you really latch on to this, I guarantee you'll leave different than when you came in. Because what I'm going to ask you to do is to think deep, okay? I, I mean to not hear only with your human ears, but to hear with the ears of your heart that you will think deep in the things of God, that you will now get to a place where you are opening your heart to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to search your heart, to go where no one else can go, to go to the inner recesses of your heart and begin to open up your heart and to cause you this morning to hear the Word of God and to allow the Word of God to change your life. Uh, it is so easy to come to church and just come to church. And you know, under the balcony there, you may be even asleep because I can't see under the balcony because it's so dark back there. Oh, they put the lights on. Now I can see you. All right, no going to sleep this morning. But, but the thing is, I want us all this morning to experience God in a way that we will leave here saying that we've met with God and God was met with us in a way that we've not experienced before. You see, uh, how many would agree with me this morning if I make the statement that Jesus died because God had an agenda? How many would agree with that? That Jesus died because God had an agenda. Uh, I, I mean that Jesus coming to earth and dying on the cross was a part of a gigantic plan that Father God had put together. That God, Jesus was a part of that plan. There was, he was the center of that plan. And, and, and the fact was that Jesus was coming and dying as a part of a gigantic plan plan. Uh, let me ask you this question. All right, just nudge the one next to you and say he's, he expects a response to the question. Just tell him that, all right? Okay, and, and, and this is the question that I, I'm going to ask you right now. How many believe that God still has an agenda today? Oh yeah, that's better. Yeah, God still has an agenda for today. I, I mean this, that he has a plan and a purpose for every single life and every single church. That it is that God has a plan, that we're not just um, thrown together, we're not just placed on the earth where we are haphazardly, but that we are here in the plan of God and that God has a plan for every single life. You know, recently I have found uh, something happening that I've not noticed in, uh, in the past as greatly as I'm noticing it right now. And it is this, when you ask people, how are you doing? You know, when you get past the, well, I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? Everyone says that. It's the biggest lie on the planet, you know. Uh, but, but the fact is that everyone says I'm okay. But when you go deeper and you, you begin to say, no, really, how are you doing? I have found that more and more I am getting answers like, 
if I'm absolutely truthful, I'm exhausted. <laughs> or, or if I'm absolutely uh, truthful you, I'm just overwhelmed. Life is overwhelming me. I hear that over and over. And, and also I hear uh, people say, well, if I'm honest with you, I'm probably overscheduled. I'm, I'm running here and I'm running there and I'm stressed out and everything is just falling apart around me and... Um, and I'm just feeling totally stressed. It's not that I've heard this type of response now and again. I'm hearing this over and over and over. And, and what I'm finding, friends, is that busyness and, and, and this getting to a place where we are stretched beyond our capacity to bear it is now at epidemic levels. That it is that people are running here, there, and everywhere. And how many know when you get trapped into a life of busyness, when you get trapped into a life of stress, then that's going to spill over into every other area of your life. Oh, oh yes, if you even think of uh, the, the fact that uh, the busyness, and I, I've come to think this, that busyness is killing us. And it is that now we get to the place where it's now spilling over and affecting areas of our life. Maybe not physically, although don't get me started on the health and ailments of society that are now with us because of people's now being stretched further than they can take and, and being more busy than they've ever been and now under a stress level that they could never uh, understand and now it's affecting them physically uh, and now their health is all out of whack. But not only that, When you get into the areas of emotional health and relational health and professional health and financial health, and when you get into the area of spiritual health, busyness is not our friend. And being stretched and under stress is affecting areas of our life it should never be touching you. Let me ask you this, where is the busyness of your life killing your life? And be honest now as you do an inner search and say, where is the busyness of my life killing my life? Where are you grasping and gasping for breath to survive and struggling to get through the stress level of your life right now? Is it that you're finding that because of the stress level and the busyness of life, that that is now affecting quality time with your husband or your wife, and that doesn't happen when you're on the move and when you're moving so fast. And then it may be the togetherness with your kids is now being affected by the busyness of your life and the stress level of your life. When you're moving fast, then it is now that that together time with your kids suffer. Or or maybe it's now affecting sound business decisions that you're having to make, that you're under so much stress and you're under so much busyness that now you're beginning to make bad business decisions. Or maybe it's affecting good money management and, and now you're not handling your finances as you should. You're rushing here and there and everywhere and now your money's out of whack. And then maybe it's got right down to meaningful connection with God that's no longer happening because you just don't have the time to meet with God. 
I have found in my lifetime that time with God always suffers when I get to a place that I'm so busy and I'm under stress and I'm running here and I'm running there. Now my time with God begins to suffer and I'm not connecting with God like I did. You know, many years ago, before we came to America, after a period where God had really blessed our lives and blessed our church, And we had seen uh, amazing things happening in the church. I suddenly found that I was being pursued by various local and national committees uh, that wanted me to be on their committee and to go and preach here and to go and preach there and to now find that my life be just got out of whack. And, and, I, and I found that I was adding so much stress to my life and I was now so busy everything started to suffer. I was away from home more than I should have been. I was away from my church more than I should have been. My life and health began to suffer. I put on enormous amounts of weight and, and now I found that my health was suffering. And now I, 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 everything it seems that was in my life was falling apart. And more than anything else, my relationship with God was suffering. And now I was finding that I was not meeting with God like I had in the past. Well, it all came to a head and I had a breakdown. They called it a nervous breakdown. And um, that caused me to take six months away from everything. Because the busyness was killing me off. Now, now I can hear you asking the question, well, John, that's all well and good, but what on earth has that to do with the question of today, why did Jesus have to die? Well, I have to tell you, it has everything to do with why Jesus had to die, everything. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples in John's Gospel, chapter 12, And he was actually going deep with his followers. He was taking them deeper than they'd ever been taken. And he was stretching their thinking more than they'd ever been stretched. And he was beginning to tell them why he came to earth and exactly what he expected of his followers. He, he, He was telling them, this is why I've come and this is what is expected of you. Listen to what he says as he starts speaking of his death in John chapter 12, verse 23. He says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and that where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus, in those words, was telling us exactly why he came to earth and why he was going to die. I I, I know, friends, I, I know that he was going to die for my sins. 
I, I also know, I also know that he was going to die to destroy the work of evil and the devil. The Bible tells us that, that he came to earth to destroy the work of the devil and evil that was in the world. But I want you to get this and I want you to get it good. I want you to get it solidly into your brain this morning. The main reason, the main reason that Jesus had to die was to glorify God. That was the main reason. He says, Lord, through what I do on the cross, Father, what I, through what I do on the cross, glorify your name. Let your name be glorified. You know, it should be striking to us as we read the first part of today's texture that Jesus was concerned more with God's will than he was his own will. He was more concerned with what God wanted him to do than he was with what he wanted to do. And he begins by saying, Father, Father, glorify your name. You know what that speaks of, friends? It speaks of the relationship that Jesus had with God. He called him Father. It speaks of relationship. It wasn't that God was afar off. It wasn't that God was someone that was just this great eyeball in the sky. No, he had this relationship. He called him Father. And so it is that this God, this God that holds everything in place, this God who is more able to do without us but he has decided to include us in his plans. This God, this God who, who wants this intimate fellowship and this intimate relationship with us, that he says, I want you, like my son, I want you to call me Father and be, uh, that I be known as Father, not in just a word sense, but in an intimate sense. See, the fact is, you don't achieve this level of intimacy with God on the fly. You don't achieve this intimacy with God uh, just by turning up at church, lobbing a few prayer requests at him, and then going back out into your everyday life. No, no, no. This intimacy with God that is looked for and God looks for has to be cultivated See, there has to be intention. We've got to be intentional about our relationship with God. It doesn't just happen. It is that now God is looking for us to come intentionally before him and say, I want to know you intimately. I want you to be the center of my life. I want to walk with you and talk with you. I want you to be the center of my life, God. There has to be intention. But not only intention, there has to be investment. There has to be an investment of your life that is saying, I'm going to surrender my life to him and I'm surrendering my time to him. And now we invest into knowing God personally and in relationship so that we can say, Father, there has to be a depth to it. Oh, oh listen, listen, I, I don't care. I don't care how deep you feel you've gone with God. You can go deeper still. And God is calling you to a deeper lifestyle. He is calling you to a lifestyle where he is talking with you every day and where you are listening to him and doing what he wants you to do rather than what you want to do. 
So we read that Jesus is talking here of a depth of relationship and intimacy with God. And he brings out the fact that it was God's will and not his will that counted most. That it was now that he, Jesus, and we, his people, are to live for the glory of God. See, the people that he was talking to here. Oh, yeah, read the rest of the chapter when you go home. Read, read John chapter 12 when you go home. And you'll find that the people that were now in front of him and asking to see him, they actually came up to the disciples and said, we would see Jesus. And these people were people who had heard about the miracles that Jesus had done. And they'd especially heard that Jesus had just raised the man from the dead. He had just called Lazarus back to life. Do you remember I told you that Lazarus had died and that Lazarus had been dead for four days and the Bible says that he stank and and the King James Version says, Behold, he stinketh. Yeah, four days dead, you stink. And the fact was that now Jesus had come and raised this man from the dead. And how many know when someone gets raised from the dead, the news travels pretty quick? And so the news had got out that Jesus had raised this man from the dead. And they came looking for Jesus. But listen, they did not come looking for Jesus because they wanted a relationship with God. They didn't come looking for Jesus because they wanted to go deeper with God. They came looking for Jesus to see what he could do for them. They wanted him to do miracles for them. They wanted him to raise a few of their dead. And now they come looking for him. It's like many modern day Christians. Hey, listen. Many modern day Christians who have been sucked into the belief, the lie of Satan, that God lives for our glory and not we for his glory. I've been sucked into the lie that God lives to help us achieve our will and our desires and our plans rather than we exist to see his will and his desire and his plans brought to pass. It is that that many modern day Christians have been sucked into the lie of God blessing their life and, and that it is that God exists to bless their lives. And not the fact that God looks on us and he says, no, you exist to glorify me. You live for my glory. See, there's a lot of Christians who believe that if they can come and say to God, God, will you, will you, uh, please help me, I need a new house, please help me, I need a new job, please help me, I need more money coming in, please help me, I, I need a good health report when I go to the doctor, God, please, please, will you do this, and, and, and God, will you do that, and will you do the other, where God is looking for people who will say, whether I get a new car, whether I get a new house, whether I get another job, whether I have more money coming in, whether I have a good health report, or a bad health report, you are my God and I will worship you whatever is going on. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name even if it means me giving my life. Glorify your name even if it means my death. 
And so Jesus was talking to these group of followers. He was not talking to the crowd. He was talking to these group of followers. And he was challenging them to follow his example. And to have this intimate relationship with God. That now they live for the glory of God and not their will. And not their way. And they live for the glory of God. And if need be for the glory of God they will lay down their lives. Uh, I know that you've been hearing of Christians that have been martyred, shot in the head. Some of them had their heads taken off over in Iraq and other countries, and they, they refused to deny Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friends, what I've heard from missionaries and others is that they never did that um, scared and crying and, 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 and saying, oh, I'll, I'll bow down to Muhammad. I'll bow, I'll bow down to Muhammad. No, no. They, they held their heads high and they counted it a privilege to give their lives for the God of heaven and the King of all the earth, Jesus Christ. See, the truth is, listen, listen, I want you to get this. The truth is God is into God. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I know you may not like to hear that because we are into ourselves. And we want God to be into us, not into himself. But I have news for you. It is better for God to be into himself than into us. It is better for God to be seeking his own glory than to be seeking to bless us. Because when God is glorified, we are blessed. When God is exalted, we are blessed. You know, I've had a few aha wake-up calls in my lifetime. Let me tell you a few of them. The first was when I was a teenager, and I came to a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It was the time when I realized that I was a sinner and that I was on the road to hell. I realized that Jesus had come and sacrificed his life on the cross, and that if I was ever going to get to heaven, I better trust what Jesus did on the cross. I better trust that he took my sins and my burdens and my cares and he nailed them to the cross and he died in my place. And I accepted that and I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. And that day the burden of sin was taken off my life and I began to walk with God and I knew that once I was going to hell but now I'm going to heaven. I knew that once I was blind but now I see. I once was dead but now I was alive. I had this brand new life in Jesus Christ that came when I put my trust in him. The second aha moment came a few months later, but it came at a time where I began to believe in the exchanged life. I want you to get those words, the exchanged life. By that I mean this, I found out that I couldn't live the Christian life under my own steam and by my own power. And that I needed a power from outside of myself to come and fill me so that I now live by a supernatural power and not by John King's power. And at that moment, I opened my life to the Holy Spirit. I asked Holy Spirit to fill me up. And I want to tell you, he came and filled me up. I come to him saying, I can't live this Christian life under my own steam. I can't live this Christian life under my own power. I can't tell others about Jesus. I'm too scared to tell them about Jesus. I, I, I can't overcome temptation and sin. I haven't got the power to do it. I need power to help me to overcome. 
And I want to tell you that one day, it was February the 6th, 1964, I was mightily filled with God the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that day, power came into my life that caused me to know that I could overcome. It was the mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit. The third aha moment came when I discovered worship. Oh no, I, I, I mean this. I found out that worship was more than music. Oh, oh yeah, I, 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 found out, I found out that worship was more than what went on from 11.30, uh, 11 o'clock until 12.30 on a Sunday morning. I I found out that now worship was the way that I did my job, where now I began to do my job for God, and even though I had the worst of bosses, and even though I didn't have as much money as I wanted, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I was glad to have a job, and I was going to work as if I was working for God, and so my work became an act of worship. And the way that I was bringing my family up became an act of worship. I wanted to do it the way that God wanted. And the way that I conducted my life and and the way that it was that now I lived my life with people. I found out that I I worship God by the way that I work and the way that I volunteer at church and, and the way that I am with my family and everything else that is my life. I found that my whole life could be an act of worship. That's why I don't get hung up on music. One lady told me this morning, she was in the prayer meeting, and she was praying actually, and, and, and she said, um, she said uh, I, I could be saying a nursery rhyme and still worship God. <laughs> it's not the worship, it's the God who we worship that we get our eyes on. That it is that we say we are doing this for your glory, I may not like it, I may not like the style, I may not like the sound, I may not like the lights, but it's for your glory. Hey, listen, friends, when there are people that are dying for the cause of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to get uptight over sound and music and and lights and all that. Oh, no, when there are people giving their lives for him, I'm just going to worship him and say, you are my king and my God. And now the fourth thing that I really came to as an aha moment in my life. It was the moment when I realized that God is into himself. Oh yeah, God is into himself. I realized that God is into God. It was when I began to read the Bible. And you know what I found out about the Bible? It's all about him. It's all about God. Hey, from cover to cover, it's God this and God that and God and God and God. The whole book is about him. It's his story. It's history. It's his story. It's God all over and God is into himself. It's all about God. And so from that, I found out that this life is not about me. It's about God. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. It's not about what I want. God is into himself and his glory and his cause. You know, I thought that Jesus is coming to earth and dying was all about me. I thought it was that the main reason that Jesus died was for me. The main reason that Jesus came was for me. The main reason that Jesus rose from the dead was for me. 
I, 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 I thought that the reason that Jesus had ascended to the right hand of God and had gone back to heaven was to make me a new house. I, I, I thought that God was the Thai penitent, that Jesus was the Thai penitent who had, had come and, and was going to do a whole makeover for me in heaven. And, and, and he said to the angels in heaven, I'm going to have a special room for John. And, and, and it's going to be fantastic. And he actually took his shirt off to do it. You notice whenever he's going to do this room for the person, takes his shirt off. And, 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 I'm, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to make this room for John. And, and the plan, I thought the plan was that one day the uh, angels are going to gather and everyone's going to gather. And, and, and it's going to be that we're there and there will be this huge crowd to welcome me into heaven. And, 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 and suddenly Jesus will say... Angels, move that bus, and there it will be, this new mansion in the sky, all for John. I had to get this, friends. That God's world doesn't revolve around me. God's world revolves around God. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's his glory. It is that he's into himself. And although you think that's bad, you think into himself, this egocentric God, yes, he is. And you need to thank God that he is. Because, friends, we've got this warped view of God that is absolutely wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. He is full of love and he's full of grace. But his motivation is not you or me, it's his own glory. Because he is glorified in loving you and loving me, he is glorified. Listen to these verses. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. He said there, I am the Lord, that is my name. He is saying, when he says that, he is saying this, friends, he's saying, I am all-knowing, and so I have no confusion as to who I am. He says, I I am the top. I am the pinnacle. I am the number one. There is no more steps up the ladder. I'm at the top of the ladder. I am the CEO of all CEOs. I am the Lord of all lords. And it is that I am who I am. I am the Lord. He knows who he is. He says, whether you like it or not, I am God. I'm in charge. I'm the top. I'm the boss. And he's number one. And then he goes on. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory. That means my fame, my worship, my praise, my adoration, my authority. I will give to no other. Whether that, uh, no other living person. Whether that's your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your boss, your employer. No other human is going to get the glory that's due to my name. And then he says this, nor my praise to carved images like houses and cars and sports and music and fishing and hunting and work and people and even churches. I will not give my glory or praise to anyone else. All the glory and praise goes to me, says God. You know, Paul was talking in the book of Romans 
If you read the book of Romans, it's a very deep book uh, about God. Uh, and Paul opens up the, his knowledge about God. But then he gets to chapter 11. He begins to sum up. And, and he says this in verse 33 of Romans 11. All oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. Paul says, I've told you all I know about him, and you need to know that I haven't scratched the surface. There's stacks more that I don't know. He says, it is unsearchable and unknowing. He says, God, I know as much as my mind will take, but beyond that, there's more. There's more of God, and he says, I can't take it all in. See, friends, we treat God as if he's two inches tall, and that we take him now and we put him on our mantel shelf, or we put him on our bookshelf, and every time now and again we go to him and we say, we want you to do this, and we want you to do that, and we want you to, and we want you to, and we want you to. And when he doesn't, we turn him around so he's not facing the front. And now we begin to complain, and we begin to say, why haven't you done this? Why? Why didn't this happen? Why did that happen? Why? And now we treat him as if he's two inches tall, when the truth is we are but the dust of the earth, and he is huge and massive and glorious and mighty and powerful and all-knowing and all-knowledge and all-power. You can't tell him a thing he doesn't know. He knows everything about our lives. He knows everything that's happening in our lives. We exist for His glory, not ours. All He asks is that he, we obey Him. He chooses according to His will the prayers that He will answer and the prayers that He won't answer according to His foreknowledge. And, and the fact is that He will not always work things out as we think they should be worked out. As a man, Jesus knew that. As a human, Jesus knew that. In his humanity, Jesus didn't look forward to dying. He didn't look forward to the cross. He didn't look forward to the pain. But the fact was that he says, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way other than me going to the cross, but, but the fact was that God knew that what he was doing through Jesus was all part of his will, that what he was doing through Jesus was all part of his plan. He knew that it was painful for Jesus, but it was going to bring glory to his name. And it was going to result in not only his son being in heaven and coming back to heaven, but Jesus would make the way for many sons and daughters to go to heaven. And so it was that he bowed before him and he said, Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. How many thank God that Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. See, when we don't know what's happening and don't understand what's happening, we need to rest in the fact that he does know. That he is in control. That he is God and we are not. And that he's always working for his own glory. Because he knows that when he is glorified, the rest of the world is blessed. God has been most loving and kind when he says, worship me. He has been most loving and kind when he is saying, center your life around me. Live your life for my glory. 
Anyone other than me will fail you. Anything other than me will let you down. Anything less than me will not satisfy you. He says, I love you too much to let you live your life for lesser things. Live your life for my glory. Don't live your life for lesser things. Live your life for my glory. He loves us so much. He wants the very best for us, and the very best is himself. And so he says, I ask, no, 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 I am your God, and I demand, do as Jesus did and live your life for my glory. Listen to these verses very quickly. The time is going. Isaiah 44, verse 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last besides me. There is no God. Psalm 115, verse 3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135, verse 5 and 6, for I know the Lord is great and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. So can we settle this once and for all this morning, friends, that he is God and he is into himself He's in charge of my life and he's in charge of the world. He is God and I thank God that he is. I thank God that he's in control. It is that I don't have a powerless, meaningless, useless, failing God. I have a God who is all-powerful, all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding and he's in control of everything that's happening. I bow And I say, not my will, but your will be done. I may not understand it all the time. I may not like it all the time. But my times are in your hands. My God, I wish them there, and I bow to your sovereign will. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. For Jesus, it meant going to the cross. It meant taking the punishment of sins that he had never committed. It is that Father glorifying your name meant that he was going to be scarred and broken more than any other man. It meant that him being now glorifying the Father would go down to hell and take the keys of death and hell from Satan. It meant him rising again from the dead and ascending to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. I told you at the beginning of my talk today my story of the breakdown that I had when I got overstressed and overstretched. Well, one morning, a few months into this, it was about 3 a.m. in the morning, I was lying on my bed crying in self-pity. And suddenly the presence of God filled my room. And I felt God come real close. And this is what he said to me. I must be the center and the source of your life, John. Not your work, not your church, not your fame. I must be the center. I must be your all and in all. And I fell out of bed onto my knees And at the side of the bed, I cried for forgiveness. 
I, f- I asked him to forgive me for becoming the center of my world, that I felt that everything revolved around John King. And I made a commitment, Lord, from this moment on, by your help, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to live for your glory, not my glory. I want you to take control. And, and from that moment, my life turned around, friends. From that moment, things changed. And two years after that, I was planted in America by God. And it all came out of that time of now getting back to the place of putting God back center of my life and now saying, I am glad you are God and I am not. You are in control. I am not. So can I ask you this morning, who is it that God is asking you to become? Is God asking you to become a person that will live your life for his glory. Now, don't answer that quickly, but answer it. Am I a person that God is saying right now today, I want you to stop living your life for your fame and your glory and your needs and this, that, and the other, and and you're stretched and rushed and no, 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 let's get back to center. And God is saying, I want you to live your life for my glory. How different would your life look if you were living it for the glory of God? So that everything you did and everything you say, that now you are living for the glory of God. In fact, I'm going to challenge you. Joe challenged you, Pastor Joe challenged you last week to live a a, a challenge for the week. I'm going to give you a challenge for this week. I'm going to challenge you today that if you have been living your life for yourself and been consumed with yourself that you will for one week begin to live your life for the glory of God. That it will be be that every day, every day you will get up out of bed and, and you will come before the Lord and you will pray and you will say, God, today is a life that I'm giving to you. I'm giving you my life to be lived today for your glory. I'm surrendering everything that I am to you I want to live my life this week in my work life, in my family life, in my pleasure life, in every other area of my life. I want to live for your glory, Lord. I want you to nudge me. I want you to direct me. I want you to tell me what to say and when not to say anything. I want you to tell me the things that I should do and the things you don't want me to do because it's going to stretch me. God, I want to come back to this place where I've got this relationship with you. And God, for this week, I want you to be the center of my life. I'll guarantee that by the end of this week, you'll be looking forward to the week after to do exactly the same. When you go to bed at night, you lie on your pillow and you say, God, thank you for today. The ups and the downs. Whatever happened, Lord, today I'm taking as your will because I'd surrendered my life for your glory. You know, before Jesus died, before Jesus died, he gathered a group of his followers together in an upper room. And he said, I'm soon going to be taken from you. And he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper, communion. And he said, listen, listen, I I never want you to not do this. I want you to do this often. I want you to take bread and and, and the wine, and and I, I want you to take it in remembrance of me. See, I want you to remember, says Jesus, I want you to remember that I lived my life for God's glory. And every time you take the bread and the wine, you are saying, 
God, I want to do what your son did. I want to live my life for your glory. That God, I'm taking this bread and wine as a sign that I'm going out into my week and into my world to live my life for your glory. I'm going to seek to glorify your name by the way that I live my life. I am going to put you at the center of my life. I'm going to put you right at the center. I'm not going to be out here on the outside looking in. I'm going to be in the center saying, God, I'm living my life for your glory. I can't live for myself any longer. I want to live for your glory. See, it's possible this morning that you take this communion as a religious thing that we do. When it becomes religion to you, you become a hypocrite. When you're only doing it because it's there to be done. In fact, I'd rather you not take the bread and the cup this morning unless you are saying, I'm putting God back at the center of my life and I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. I'd rather you not take it. Don't be a hypocrite. But today, if you say, I feel weak, and it scares me a little bit, but I want from today to live my life for the glory of God. I don't want it anymore that my life centers around John King. I want it to center around God the Father. I want Him to be the center of my life. I don't want to be making decisions because I want to do it. I want to make decisions because He wants me to do it. I don't want to be living my life making decisions as whether I do this or do that or the other. I want Him to be in control. And you say, oh, God's too big to worry about that. He's so big that He can worry about that. And He comes and He says, I've been waiting for you to come. As I knelt at my bed and I said, Lord God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I felt him saying, I've been waiting for you to get right to this point. And listen, friends, I didn't enjoy a nervous breakdown. I didn't enjoy it, but I tell you this, I'd go through it again if it brought me to that place of putting God right at the center of my life. And maybe what you've been going through and what you've been facing is God saying, I need to be at the center. I need to be at the center. You've been living too much for yourself. I need to be at the center of your life. I want you to live for my glory. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. And so right now, we're going to take communion together. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up and come and to just take a piece of bread and the cup. And uh, don't wait to be told when to eat it or drink it. You do it as... You will. If you want to kneel at the altar for a time, then do that. If you want to go back to your seat and just quietly take the bread and the cup. But I want you to be saying as you take the bread and the cup, Lord, this has new meaning for me today. Because today I'm surrendering my will to you. I'm surrendering my life that has been lived with me living for my glory. I'm now going to live for your glory. And I take this cup and I take this bread as a symbol today that I'm surrendering everything to you. You can get up and come and help yourself up in the balcony. It's set up for you in the balcony. And for you uh, downstairs, just make your way to these tables and take a cup, take the bread if you need to. Kneel at the altar for a while, do that, or go back to your seat. 
But let it be, let it be that right now you're saying, not my will, your will. Not my way, your way. Not my plan, your plan. I surrender my life to you. I want to live for your glory, your glory, Lord. Not my glory, your glory. Team are going to be singing as we take the bread and the cup together. Praise God. Let's all stand. And right now in a final act of surrender to God and say, God, it's your will, it's not my will. Let's lift our hands to him. We lift our hands like this in an act of surrender, that this is surrender. We're surrendering our lives to God. And now, Father, see these hands that are raised before you, lives that are surrendered to you. And grant, O oh God, that it will be that we will live our lives for your glory. I pray blessing on everyone as they step out into their week and into their future, that they will live for the glory of God. I ask it in your name. And God's people said out loud, Amen. Amen. God bless you.